did it. We survived by Mageddon. We survived by 2K. We survived the Bipocalypse. Uh, whatever you want to call it. If you're listening to this, that means you are still in your fantasy football leagues. You made it through week seven. Uh, you're not like me in the staff guillotine league getting eliminated in the week that I had Austin Eckler sitting on my bench. That's totally fine. I thought I could make it. Unfortunately, I made a deal with the Darnold. I had Sam Darnold as my starting quarterback. And if I put Ryan Tannehill in the lineup, I would have been fine. I'm not salty. You're salty anyway. <laughs> Welcome to week eight sit start podcast. I'm Miles Nelson joined as always by Eric Smith and Ryan Heath. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. We've got NFL trades going on. I'm making trades in my home league. It's it's that time of the year where all of uh, all the the needy rosters out there need to blow it up and make their push, or the season's going to be over soon. So this is a fun time of the year. Uh, let's let's win some more games. Let's get in the playoffs. And and you didn't even mention that the Bengals are just one uh, one game away from having six wins. Which I mean, it is the Jets, so it's probably doable. But also at the same time, if there's any team that we expect to to drop this game, it's it's the Bengals, right? You know, I was worried about that Lions game the week before last, and they blew them out. So I, I think we can handle the Jets without their starting quarterback. Let's uh, fingers crossed on this one. Okay, but let's not act like that's not an improvement for them. Okay, uh, we'll talk about Mike White later and what he might mean for the Jets. Um, Ryan, you know, I do. You th- I don't think you guys are going to score fifty-four points again. But but what do you think? Maybe fourteen points this week will be enough for you. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to hope so if it, if that Chargers offense looks anything like it did. But I've got a feeling we're going to have to score more than a pair of touchdowns this week. Uh, I don't want to say that we're going to get blown out because or maybe I do want to say that because every time I say the Pats are going to get blown out, we don't. And it's a close game. So the Pats are going to get blown out this week. Well, that would be quite the departure from last year where you guys beat the Chargers 45 to nothing. Um, Now, that was actually in Foxborough, and uh, that was Herbert as a rookie. We all know the numbers on rookie quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. There's no numbers out there about sophomore quarterbacks against Bill Belichick. Totally a different game here. Uh, But in all seriousness, we got a lot more games under Justin Herbert's belt, and uh, the Patriots are a little different than the team they were last year because um, Cam Newton's not their quarterback, and they have a better one now. So it should be a better game. Uh, But we're not here to talk about Mac Jones. Well, maybe we will later. What we are here to talk about, though, is the the trade, the big trade, the trade everyone has been talking about all season long. The Houston Texans have traded Mark Ingram to the New Orleans Saints. That's totally where we thought this was going to go when we saw the Houston and Texans have made a trade. Uh, so Mark Ingram returning to New Orleans, uh, where his career started, um, you know, going uh, to play with Alvin Kamara for the second time in the, in the past few years. Why, why did the New Orleans Saints need to make this trade? Why did they go after Mark Ingram? And um, not that this spells any trouble for Alvin Kamara, but what, does this mean anything for the Saints offense, Eric? <laughs> I actually got worried there for a minute because I'd only thought about this from the Texans' perspective. And uh, as soon as you brought up the Saints, I was like, oh, man. I, no, I, this makes no difference on the Saints. I don't know why they're doing it. It doesn't affect Kamara's prospects. I don't think Ingram has enough in the tank to make a difference. So this has just got to be insurance policy in case Kamara gets hurt here. But the I don't know. The impact is like a zero here on the Saints, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, that when they let Latavius Murray go and, and they were you know moving forward with Kamara and Tony Jones Jr., maybe they felt it was a little bit thin for their liking, um, especially as, as the season wears on and, you know, wear and tear takes its toll on, on everyone. So uh, could mean Mark Ingram. We see him out there a couple times a game, but uh, like you said, should not affect too much, uh, you know, kind of what we see from uh, Kamara's workload. So now let's talk about the actually interesting side of it. The starting running back in Houston is no longer the starting running back in Houston. Not like that's been an entirely valuable position, but now there's a someone new there, which means something could change. What do you expect to see from Houston's running game, Ryan? 
Yeah, honestly, I would hope that David Johnson could consolidate a bit more of a share on the ground here because he's already been seeing some work through the air. I've never been a Philip Lindsay believer. I know they're out there, especially on Twitter today, but I would be taking David Johnson over Philip Lindsay at this point. Uh, Eric, what about you? You also, I mean, believer is a strong word, but uh, David Johnson over Philip Lindsay, neither of them. Where are you at on this Houston backfield? Yeah, David Johnson's the interesting one. He's got 44% snap share for the year. Um, Mark Ingram leaves with 38%. Lindsay, 18% for the year. Um, and you look at last week, like Lindsay and Rex Burkhead each played four snaps. So they were barely involved. DJ played 54%. And like Ryan said, we've seen some passing game work here out of David Johnson. Uh, over the past uh, three of the past four weeks, he's been over 19% target share. So I don't think David Johnson's going to go back to be an 80% snap share running back or anything, but if we can get that passing game work, get a little bit of more work on the ground, hopefully we get Tyrod Taylor back and the offense is a little more functional. I think we might have something here with David Johnson in like the RB2 range. I think Philip Lindsay, you're just kind of hoping at this point. I mean, like I said, he only played four snaps last week, so maybe he gets that 38% of the work that Ingram got, but I think there's also a chance him and Burkhead, you know, share it up here. So uh, mainly David Johnson's who I'm looking at. I mean, maybe they're just keeping Lindsay's legs fresh. You know, they knew they were trading Ingram, so they were like, let's keep Lindsay fresh for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, I mean, David Johnson, you mentioned, um, obviously leading the way with 24 targets, um, uh, leading the way among uh, running backs. And actually, that's the second most targets on the team after just Brandon Cooks, who has 64. So, uh, <laughs> that you know, David Johnson, a close second place there on, on targets uh, for so far this year for Houston. But uh, if he can get a little bit of work, there's no way that we can expect to see like 15 combined touches between attempts and targets. I mean, is that, is that too much to ask for David Johnson? And if it's less than that, are we interested? Yeah. I mean, it could approach that if you get six or seven catches and a blowout loss. Um, I think, yeah, that is pushing it though. He's older. He didn't look particularly good last week. He wasn't cutting. He's just kind of, uh, you know, catching the ball and running out of bounds. It seemed like, so not real excited, but the volume should get him there, but this offense, the touchdowns are really going to hold him back the lack of touchdowns. So we really need Tyrod to get in there and get the connection back with cooks for him to have any real value here. Yeah, last season, uh, Johnson averaged about 16 combined rush attempts and targets per game. Um, that was before they brought in two, uh, actually three other running backs once they brought in Burkhead to uh, split the load in Houston. So I find it hard to believe that they're just going to go right back to that, um, especially since it's not like David Johnson has at, at any point looked like his Arizona self. Great trade, Houston. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, all right, so let's look ahead to week eight. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about a lot of players on this podcast. We're going to talk about a, a lot of games as much as we can get to. We can't get to everything. And if there's a player that you uh, didn't hear about on the podcast, uh, someone that you want to see more on, uh, head to QBList.com and check out our Sit Start article uh, where we go over every single game, every single player, and we'll have something to say about every single one of them. So um, even if we aren't able to get to them here, don't worry. We do have their analysis on our website. And then also you can check out Eric's rankings as well uh, on the website and see exactly where Eric has everyone ranked um, and, and check out the players on your team and, and decide if you should be starting them or sitting them this week. Uh, Eric, who are two players that you are, have surprisingly low and will be sitting this week? Yeah, so I'm just going to take about half of the Seattle Seahawks here. I'm going to go with Alex Collins and Tyler Lockett. Um, it's really just how bad Geno Smith looks and how bad this offense looks. But for Collins, I mean, he's coming off a short week off that Monday night game. He's banged up, only saw 39% of the snaps last week. 
Uh, and they're playing Jacksonville, which is great. But would you rather have Seattle with Geno Smith or Jacksonville with, you know, Trevor Lawrence? I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm benching Alex Collins if I can. I'm not even sure Seattle's going to win this game. And then Tyler Lockett, he put up 58 combined PPR points the first two weeks and has 33 combined the last five games. Without, <laughs> without Russell Wilson, it's just a mess. So I'm moving on for this week if I can from Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I just want to say I thought it was really interesting um, when I was looking at the trends of of most added and Seattle's defense was actually the second most added uh, defense so far this week um, going up against Jacksonville. But I'm not even positive that they're going to be the highest scoring defense in that game. Um, So, I mean, it's not like Jacksonville's defense is very good, but, uh, you know, the offense they're going up against should be pretty light if last week is any indication. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely see it as much as it hurts me because I have Collins and Lockett in a handful of leagues. Uh, I think when I was doing my preliminary kind of going through all my lineups, I think they ended up on my bench in pretty much every league. So I definitely understand that. Um, Ryan, what about you? Who are you going to be sitting this week that, that you think everyone else might be in on? Yeah, so both of my sits this week are more injury-based, both to the players themselves and to the other receivers in their passing games. I'm not going to play Kadarius Toney this week. That said, if somehow he's the only healthy receiver on the team, then this doesn't really apply. But I kind of think that this Giants game against the Chiefs is a major trap. I think people have... seen the how the Chiefs defense has played this year and are really hungry but I'm not all that convinced that Kadarius Tony is gonna come in and dominate the targets in an offense where Sterling Shepard exists so aside from him I'm also sitting Tim Patrick and the reason for that is because it looks like we're getting Jerry Judy back this week so the target share isn't necessarily going to be there. Tim Patrick's been this nice kind of dependable, like nine PPR point type of guy that you can rely on, but I'm not so sure we can anymore. Well, I, I want to push you a little bit on this. Uh, obviously, I think Tim Patrick, is a, it makes a lot of sense to sit Tim Patrick when he's the third wheel there in the receiving game. Actually, fourth, if you include Noah Fant. I think the better question is, are you, how are you feeling about Cortland Sutton? Is there any concern um, or fear about starting him this week when, when Jerry Judy was healthy, Sutton was not being targeted pretty much at all? I mean, our sample size on that is pretty small. So it's one game. (laughs) Yeah. By pretty small, I mean one game. So, and I mean, we've seen Sutton be the number one alpha in this offense, even going back to before Judy was drafted. So I want to give him more than one game to see if he can continue to command targets, even in an offense with Jerry Judy. So I've given him the benefit of the doubt this week in my rankings. Okay, that's fair. Um, and it, it looks like you're not the only one, um, both Eric and Fantasy Pros, all three of you have uh, Corland Sutton in the low 20s. So uh, or high 20, I don't know, around 22, uh, whatever you want to, however you want to word that. But uh, it, it's definitely a place where you can still play Sutton. Patrick, on the other hand, uh, unfortunately, is no longer the safe uh, kind of option that, that you can expect close to double digits from each week in PPR. Now, who are you surprisingly starting this week? Uh, someone that, that you don't think everyone's in on, but, but you're going to be starting. Yeah, so I've got Michael Carter against the Bengals. Uh, Carter has been actually consolidating some more of this backfield. I believe he had 10 targets last week uh, against the Patriots and the Jets might fall out of this one too. So we could see a similar game script. And I'm also going to be starting Emmanuel Sanders. 
I believe he disappointed fantasy managers last week and we're probably not as excited about a potential shootout with Miami that the bills are probably just going to be up the whole time and running the ball. But I think this is a really beatable secondary for Sanders and he only needs one big play. His air yards are still off the charts. So I'm happy to start him. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders definitely disappointed everyone last week as he scored zero points during the Bills bye in week seven. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it, it is someone who, you know, th- there's always questions there in Buffalo. Uh, you know, when Stefan Diggs is there, um, Dawson Knox is being uh, targeted in the red zone a lot. Um, obviously, the status for Knox is, is unclear. But um, Sanders is someone that I think has steadily rose up the charts and in, in, um, in a way not unlike uh, like a Mike Williams or a Marvin Jones, where we weren't sure what we we're going to be getting from them. Uh, but now it, it's someone that is a little bit more dependable, a little bit more trustworthy. So definitely understand firing up Emmanuel Sanders. I, I hope there's a lot of good things in this Buffalo offense this week because uh, I've got Josh Allen in a lot of places. So here's hoping that he can continue uh, being one of the top quarterbacks and uh, looking at Emmanuel Sanders for that. Uh, Eric, who are you going to be uh, starting this week? Yeah, I wanted to go a little deeper at wide receiver because there's so many good options out there, but I'm surprisingly starting KJ Osborne if I'm desperate in the flex. Uh, He's got a 16% target share on the year. That's just just as much as Tim Patrick or AJ Green, a couple players that, you know, we're starting on a decent amount of rosters. Playing the Cowboys, they've allowed the six most points to opposing wide receivers. Cowboys defense looks good, but teams have to keep up with them in the passing game. KJ Osborne has three to six weeks with 15 or more PPR points. He's been better in shootout games. I just... I think it sets up well for Osborne. He's really solidified that third receiver role. I feel pretty comfortable starting him. Um, you know, obviously he's not a top option, but I think he'll get you a solid game. And then I'm also saying Kenny Gainwell. Not that he's a big surprise here, but I tend to be skeptical a lot of times when there's an injury and just kind of giving all the work to a rookie running back. But what's encouraging with Gainwell with Miles Sanders' injury is he already was taking on the passing game work here which is what we want in PPR leagues. Um, he had a 26% target share last week when Sanders went out. Uh, so that's really encouraging. They kind of use Boston Scott on the ground. Boston Scott can have the groundwork, take 30% of the snaps. Uh, hopefully Gainwell gets the passing work, and I think he's a nice start against the Lions. Yeah, Gainwell, the number one added running back um, in Yahoo this past week. Uh, but Boston Scott, number three. So it's not uh, like that it's just you know very clear cut that Gainwell is the person people are turning to. Uh, do I mean, is Boston Scott someone that is startable? Does that ground rule give him enough work to make him someone that's interesting as well? Or is it just Kenneth Gainwell? Um, Or is that kind of like a PPR slash standard league discussion? You could say that. I mean, I've got Gainwell all the way up at RB21. I've got Boston Scott down around 38. I just think that Gainwell was, he's been playing over Scott all year. They clearly like him. He's even been, you know, taking work from Miles Sanders. So I would expect a lot more Gainwell. Now, if this turns into a blowout, sure. uh, Scott could get some second half carries against the Lions. But yeah, I I think you're more touchdown dependent here with Scott, where Gainwell could really have a big game with his passing game work. It would actually be a surprise if the Lions got blown out because they they really haven't been blown out much this year. They they've hung around, they've made a games competitive. So I I wouldn't expect this Philly offense to suddenly be the team that blows them out. Um, but then again, that's how the NFL goes sometimes. Sometimes it's it is those teams that you just don't expect, and they're the ones who you know have the the magic touch or whatever it is. Um, all right, let's talk about some injury news and notes from you know our typical Wednesday set of of injury reports from practice. I'm gonna start with a good one. Let's start positive news. Rob Gronkowski will play in week eight against the saints 
um, he was off to a really great start before he had to uh, exit week three with um, what was initially reported as like a rib injury that he could play through and then turned into like four cracked ribs and a punctured lung uh, that has kept him out since week three. So uh, really good news to see him back there. How high is he uh, jumping up to your rankings already? I just put him right on a tight end six, only like Hawkinson, Schultz, Gasicki, Pitts, and Kelsey above him. I just wow. think it was a pretty serious injury. I don't think they'd mess around here and risk it. So if he's out there, he's in a great passing offense. Let's roll with him. I mean, he was just on fire before he got hurt. Two touchdowns a game, <laughs> first two games. So I'm starting Gronkowski easily. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. If he's playing, you're starting him. The position's so shallow, and like Eric said, if he wasn't good enough to be playing, then he probably wouldn't be after that kind of injury. Well, I'll say this. If you had Gronkowski, I think Gronk was one a, a very uh, heavily rostered player to begin the year, and you still have him. Odds are you've, you, ha- you held on to him this whole time, maybe in an IR spot or something like that. So there's some tight ends that you might have on your roster uh, that you might – have picked up in that time that you might want to start. We, we've had some tight ends really raise up. So let me just ask real quick, um, Gronk or this guy. Uh, we'll start with uh, Dallas's Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. Schultz. Uh, Hunter Henry. Gronk. Gronk. Zach Ertz. Gronk. Gronk. Ricky Seals-Jones. Gronk. Gronk. Okay. Uh, Dawson Knox, <laughs> I, I, if he's healthy. No, still Gronk. Yeah, Gronk. Okay. If if you have both of these guys uh, on your roster, um, is there any of those people that you would be you would just be fine dropping? Um, and if not, is there anyone that you would feel like, hey, let's let's see what I can get in a trade for someone like a Dalton Schultz or Zach Ertz? Yeah, I really hate rostering two tight ends. I believe you said Ricky Seals Jones. I'd definitely drop him. I mean, he's been good, but his time is ending soon. Uh, and then other than him, even Hunter Henry, I mean, he's been good, but he's living off touchdowns. I'd be fine dropping him if you need the roster spot. But yeah, float out a trade, see what you can get for them. All right. Um, now, bad news, staying in Tampa Bay. Um, Antonio Brown was seen with a crutch at practice, um, and he is apparently dealing with a heel sprain, uh, which is a little different than the ankle sprain that we were first told he was he was dealing with. And uh, they wouldn't even commit to him being ready to go for week 10, which um, the Bucks have a bye week nine. So we're like three weeks out of uh, Antonio Brown potentially playing. What does this mean uh, for the Tampa Bay offense? What does this mean for Antonio Brown managers out there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great news if you have Godwin or Mike Evans, obviously. Uh, That's been the only issue with these receivers is that they spread it around week to week. So I would hold Antonio Brown. Uh, He's just been too good. So I would not be dropping him. I'd stash him. And if you're in a super deep league or a dynasty league, it it was Tyler Johnson as the the third receiver. So keep an eye on them. But this offense is good enough. They can sustain to lose someone like this. All right, well, hang on to Antonio Brown as best he can. Um, I know that there's some teams that have had a lot of injuries, but we also have a lot of players coming back from injury. Who knows? Maybe you can just swap Antonio Brown and Jerry Judy. Uh, maybe that's just as easy as swapping their spots on your on your roster. Assuming Tampa Bay makes him IR eligible, um, they have not designated him uh, to the IR, short-term IR yet, but obviously if he's out, most leagues allow you to put that person in an IR spot. So just kind of keep an eye on that. Uh, Miles Sanders did not practice on Wednesday. We expected that. Um, they said he was going to be week-to-week with the ankle sprain. Uh, that he suffered in week seven. Um, so probably not going to play this week, but just keep a close eye on Miles Sanders. Uh, Dak Prescott was limited on Wednesday. Uh, it seems likely that he's going to be able to play on Sunday. Uh, he got a whole week off uh, after the calf strain that he suffered in week six. Um, but I would say that this is definitely a situation to monitor closely if you have any Cowboys offensive player. Um, 
who, who just make it easy. What, who would you still start if Prescott uh, was forced to miss week eight's game? Oh man, I'm not, I'm just assuming he's going to play honestly. Uh, but I mean, you're still starting Zeke, probably CD lamb. I think even Dalton Schultz with a backup, you can see a lot of check downs. Uh, anything after that though, gets awfully dicey. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, these are players that could all still amass target shares. So I would still start those guys. I mean, I guess it would knock someone like Tony Pollard out of consideration. Uh, and it, definitely knock someone like Cedric Wilson out of consideration, but those top offensive players, I think you still have to start. So Amari Cooper still start for both of you. He'd be pretty borderline for me. If I had a solid receiver roster, I'd bench him. Uh, he's, he's not been real exciting so far this year. It's just been kind of steady, you know, 10 plus points. And uh, I'd be willing to bench him with a backup quarterback in. Yeah, I would probably bench him for somebody like Emmanuel Sanders in a scenario like that. Okay. Um, Cowboys backup quarterback is different from last year. It's an, a whole new name from the, the smorgasbord of people we threw out last year. It's someone with an A-grade name, Cooper Rush, um, but he's only thrown three passes in his professional career and has just been um, a really great fan favorite for us as the as the you know clipboard-holding guy most of the time. So, um you know, hopefully we don't see him again this year. No offense, Cooper. Uh, Mike White will start at quarterback for the Jets this week. Do Does this make a difference? Do we care? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, I know Zach Wilson oh, no. wasn't great, but he at least made plays out of structure and got some downfield passes. This, I, I think this is going to be really bad. I had someone on Reddit asking about, you know, Carter at running back. And I know Ryan wants to start him, but, you know, they were saying maybe they'll run more with the backup quarterback in. And it's like, well, that doesn't yeah. matter if it's three and outs and punts. Like, so <laughs> they have to move the ball to be able to take advantage of that rushing upside. So I don't know. Outside of some checkdowns to Carter, I'm a little worried here about this whole team. Okay. So don't, don't start Corey Davis this week. Don't start uh, any, anyone else in this Jets offense for you, Eric. I just don't think the volume, I mean, we've seen what happens when Geno Smith's in some of these other teams with backup quarterbacks, it's ugly and I don't trust this situation at all. So yeah, sit everyone you can. Okay. And Ryan made the case earlier for why he'll be starting Michael Carter this week. Uh, Debo Samuel did not practice on Wednesday with a calf injury, but uh, Kyle Shanahan said that he still expects Samuel to play. Um, so that's good. Uh, the 49ers do expect George Kittle to be back for week nine. Um, which I think is the earliest that he can come back from the IR. So that's also a good sign that they're already uh, saying that, that he'll be back then. Um, is any, any, any hope for Brent? No, there's no hope for Brent. Ayuk. I'm not even going to ask the question. Uh, it's just no hope. Uh, T.Y. Hilton did not practice. It seems likely that he's going to be out this Sunday as well. Um, so him and Paris Campbell are both uh, going to be out. Um, if Hilton's healthy, how high is he going to rank for you? He is an afterthought for me, honestly. I mean, especially the first game back, we need to see him make it through a game healthy first. And it's just clear how much better Michael Pittman is. So I don't know. Hilton's probably down in the 40s. Uh, he's pretty far down there. Okay. Uh, Ryan, do you have any any interest in playing Hilton if he's healthy? No, not at all. I have him ranked at like wide receiver 60 this week. I have him below okay. Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if that's smart, but that's to give you an idea. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just the fact that, that that's the the line that you set just to make sure that we knew how low he was. That, that says a lot. Um, all right. Time for another round of uh, this player was limited. Do we care? Jonathan Taylor limited in practice with a ribs injury. Um, it's also worth noting that Naeem Hines was also limited with a ribs injury. Um, do we care that Taylor was limited? No, not right now. 
All right. TJ Hawkinson was limited with a knee um, and an ankle injury because he's been limited at each of the last three Wednesdays with a knee, but now he's limited with a knee and an ankle injury. Do we care? Uh, it just sounds like a tight end to me. So no. Uh, Chase Claypool limited with a hamstring injury, even after coming off their bye, um, he is still limited in practice. Um, what, what does this mean for Claypool? Do we care? Probably not. I mean, he has had the time from the buys, so it's not great that he's not at a full practice and hamstrings can linger for wide receivers, but unless we start hearing alarm bells, I'm not that concerned. All right. Um, Antonio Gibson and Ricky Seals Jones were limited and like the rest of the Washington football team didn't practice. Um, they, they didn't practice this time last week. So is Washington just done practicing? I mean, about Antonio Gibson, I'll say I am officially very concerned because he had only about 42% of the snaps last week. It seems like that shin injury is really affecting him realistically they need to just shut him down for a few weeks i think but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen so going forward he's like a borderline rb2 play that you're probably not going to feel great about which really pains me yeah and and i will say this too it it really does seem like i mean i I don't know if it's necessarily game script dependent because uh you know as you mentioned with the shin injury that they're you know going to be limiting gibson's workload a little bit more but it it feels like J like Gibson's not in there for any type of passing work. Um, that's all JD McKissick. Are we at the point now where between the shin injury and how bad the Washington football team is on offense that it has JD McKissick surpassed Antonio Gibson as the running back that you want to start in Washington? He hasn't surpassed him. And the reason for that is the goal line work. Antonio Gibson is top 10 in the league in carries inside the five. So he's the one that's most likely going to continue scoring the touchdowns. He's still an explosive player. He can still rip off a large play on any given touch. But yeah, as you said, it's not ideal that he's not getting much passing work. He's not playing in the two minute drills at all. So it caps his upside, but I don't think it puts McKissick over him weekly. All right. And then finally, we got the Julio Jones special in that um, this segment's about players who are limited, but Julio Jones didn't practice, which is the Julio Jones version of being limited on Wednesday because he never practices. Um, do Are we concerned about Julio Jones, who um, he's played each of the last two weeks? Um, he has a combined nine targets each of the last two weeks. And uh, I, I just I don't know what to make of Julio anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, he played uh, about 43 percent of the snaps last week. You're right, though. He never practices. It's hard to tell. I think you're always concerned about him until Sunday rolls around and we see the active and inactive. So I think there's hope for upside if he can just get healthy and stay on the field. But it's just there's no way to predict it right now. Yeah, and I'll say that that 43% snap share was down from the week before. He was up at around 60% in week six. So I'm really concerned that we aren't getting all the information here and that he just isn't right and may not be for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, it's definitely concerning. And I I mean, Julio's had one week that was like, hey, this is Julio Jones we're talking about. And that was in week two against uh, Seattle when he had six receptions for 128 yards. Outside of that, his best performance so far this season in PPR was uh, 8.9 points in week six against Buffalo, three receptions for 59 yards. We've not seen that was the most number of receptions and the most number of yards uh, that he's had all season outside of that Seattle game. So uh, definitely not the you know Julio Jones of of old, where if he's healthy, you're throwing him out there. I think we're starting to get into a little bit more 
uh, questionable territory with him. Um, well, if you are in a bit of a, a tight spot, and uh, unlike last week, you maybe only have one spot on your roster to fill, uh, who are some streamers, Ryan, that you'd be looking to add and start this week at uh, quarterback, tight end, and defense? Yeah, so starting at quarterback, I have Carson Wentz this week. Uh, he's available in about half of all Yahoo leagues. The only thing I don't love about this is that the Colts are going into this game against the Titans as underdogs, which isn't always great for streaming quarterbacks, but there is a 49 point over under, which might be a little surprising uh, to some, but these defenses haven't been all that great this year. So this could definitely shoot out. The only offense that the Titans have really been able to stop this year was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, that it just feels right. But I'm not totally buying that. Carson Wentz is the QB 14 on the year. I have him ranked as the QB 14 this week. It just feels about right. He's been very steady this year in the last few weeks. Uh, he's hasn't gone under 17 fantasy points in the last month. So I think he's a pretty high floor streamer that you can just kind of trot out there and not worry too much about your QB spot this week. Yeah, I, I will say just in, to touch on the Titans defense real quick, they're bottom 10 in yards allowed per play, um, bottom 10 in passing yards allowed per attempt. And uh, what really uh, made the difference this past week against the Chiefs is they honestly just made sure that Mahomes was not going to be able to get any big plays, any deep balls, um, anything like that. And they just gave them everything underneath. And Mahomes didn't want to just do that all game long, dink and dunk. And it just he was trying to force things. Um, you can't do that with Carson Wentz. Uh, he can't throw the ball far anyway. Um, obviously the Titans, that's not their, their sole defensive package for every team. But I think, uh, when there's one thing to key in on, you know, it's easier for a defense to do that. Whereas with the Titans, they got to worry about the, uh, sorry, with the Colts, I'm, I'm not saying the Colts are more complete offense than the chiefs, but I am saying the Colts can run the ball and Wentz can throw the ball to a few more people in a few more, uh, areas of the field. So even though he's nowhere near as talented, they're nowhere near as talented as the chiefs. I think this is actually a tougher matchup for the Titans because they're, they're going to have to actually, you know, combat multiple things. I, I, again, I don't want anyone saying that this is me saying that the Titan, the Colts offense is better than the chiefs. Yeah. I, I do like Wentz this week though. I mean, you look at, he put up 400 yards against the Ravens a few weeks ago. And then lately the last two games, he played Houston where they didn't need him to throw a ton and then San Francisco in that rain game. So I think his numbers are kind of stunted a little bit because of that too. He, he really looked like he was breaking out in that Baltimore game. So I've got him QB 13 this week. I really like him as well. He still put up, uh, I think 21 p- uh, points in uh, six points for passing touchdown leagues in that rain game in San Francisco. So yeah. I think it's four weeks in a row of 18 points or higher for him, um, which I mean, that's not great. But if you're like me and you need to stream in a league where you have Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, Carson Wentz is not bad, which is exactly who I picked up. All right. So next, going with tight ends, I have Jared Cook this week. A lot of people dropped him because of the bye last week. You should pick him right back up if you need to start somebody. The Chargers are implied 27 points this week. Jared Cook is averaging just over five and a half targets per game. I There's a high point total here. Good chance to catch a touchdown as long as it doesn't get called back by the refs. So <laughs> he's someone that I'm going with at tight end 11 and feeling pretty decent about it. Yeah, I, that's definitely happened to the Chargers a couple of times. Uh, Jared Cook specifically, I know at least one in the in the Dallas game. I'm sure it's happened more times for them because it's the Chargers. They're not allowed to have nice things. Uh, what defense are you streaming this week, Ryan? All right, so <laughs> I know the tomatoes are going to get 
thrown in my direction for this one, but the Kansas City Chiefs are 10-point home favorites against the Giants. We've seen Daniel Jones not have great weeks when people think he's going to have great weeks. I, he's another popular streamer this week. Everybody sees the Kansas City defense, bottom of the league in every category, as we've said on this podcast before. They let up a lot of fantasy production, but I will say the Giants, despite all that, are implied just 21 points against them. So it's possible that they're able to limit this Giants offense to not score too much. And if the Giants are having to play catch up and throw the ball, that's when we get Kansas City to get a few turnovers, maybe a pick six. We've seen Daniel Jones throw those before. We want to see Daniel Jones in a situation where he is having to throw the ball 40, 45 times this game. And that is how the Chiefs could potentially be a good streamer this week. I'm I'm just going to leave this here. Uh, the Chiefs have given up the fifth most PPR points to opposing fantasy offensive players. Um, that does include kickers. Um, they're about middle of the pack against kickers. So um, they're not doing so hot. Now, that doesn't that doesn't mean that the defense won't score points. I'm just... Just going to leave that there, uh, Ryan, and, and you can do it that way you will. Yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. This is not a high floor play at all. But if you need a potential for your defense to score like 12 points in your matchup, the Chiefs are where I would look to. Because Cincinnati is probably already gone. Somebody probably claimed them on waivers. So they, they were far, the number yeah. one added player across <laughs> every position across um all all leagues in uh, in Yahoo this year. Or sorry, this week. Yeah. Ryan? So if you can play the defense against Mike White, play them. But other than that, <laughs> look to the Chiefs. And in Ryan's defense, I mean, here are the offenses Kansas City's gone against. Cleveland, Baltimore, the Chargers, the Eagles, Buffalo, Washington, and Tennessee. Pretty good stretch there. Uh, they were defense 10 against Washington. That was probably the weakest offense. So it's been a rough stretch for the Chiefs here. So maybe the Giants will cure everything. Yeah, that is possible. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about week eight and what's to come. Um, real quick, obviously, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. There's a lot of information that's going to come out between now and Sunday. So if come Sunday morning, you've got questions about who you should be sitting, who you should be starting. Well, guess what? You can join our Discord. Go to pitcherlist.com slash plus to be a member of the Discord. You can tag Eric, tag Ryan, tag myself, and get all of us, as well as the rest of the QB list staff, to help you with your lineups on Sunday morning, Sunday early afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. Um, you know, we do this podcast with, you know, 12 team PPR leagues in mind, but if you're in a 16 team league, if you're in a four team league, um, if you're playing in a league where tight ends get extra 50% on receptions for some reason, guess what? You can give us all that context and we'd be more than happy to help you with your lineup. So you can go to pitcherlist.com slash plus to join. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, ask us all about your sit start, uh, questions come Sunday. Um, uh, but before we get to Sunday's games, we have to talk about Thursday night football. And this one's going to be an interesting one because it's uh, it's probably been one of the ones. Well, Cleveland, actually, I was going to say this is maybe the second most injured uh, team has been uh, heading into Thursday night football. And that's, uh, uh, you know, Green Bay being down both Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard as they've uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, Adams is vaccinated, so he could have uh, been cleared by tomorrow, but he's not even traveling to Arizona, so he won't be playing. Um, Marcus Valdez-Scantling will be returning for the first time since week three. He is returning from a hamstring injury. We all know what hamstring injuries can do to wide receivers. So uh, with no Adams, with no Lazard, with a kind of maybe healthy Marcus Valdez-Scantling, what are we doing with this Green Bay offense um, and, and, and in this Thursday night matchup? 
Yeah, I think if Valdez Scantling was had a week or two under his belt, he'd be a really strong play here. Uh, Lazard and Adams are their primary outside receivers. Um, Lazard played actually 91% of the snaps last week, but played more out wide than in the slot. And uh, Devontae Adams plays about 75% of his snaps out wide, and that's where Scantling plays. So he plays about three-quarters of the snaps out wide. I think we'll see him out there a ton, as, long, as well as uh, Equinemius St. Brown. He actually played the most snaps behind uh, those two and Cobb, Randall Cobb last week, and he mainly played out wide. So I would expect Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown out wide, and that leaves Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers fighting over the slot snaps. Um, last week, Randall Cobb saw 30 snaps, 30 of them in the slot. Amari Rogers only saw four. So um, I think this is primarily a Valdez Scantling, St. Brown, Randall Cobb offense. And I would lean, I mean, obviously Valdez Scantling is going to be the big play threat. He could hit a big pass and pay off for you. I do think he'll be involved, but the health gives me enough question that I'm going Randall Cobb as the best receiving option. Even if you look in red zone work, um, he's got the third, tied for second most red zone looks of receivers on the Packers with five. So he's a little bit involved in the red zone. He'll play in the slot. Uh, Randall Cobb would be the, my most confident start, followed by Valdez Scantling. I would love for Amari Rogers to be useful here. I drafted him a lot of dynasty leagues, but they're just not using him right now, and I would not trust him here. I, I have a I have an over under question for you. I guess it's not really over under, but more like this or that. Who's gonna have the higher total here? Randall Cobb targets in this game, or number of times the announcers screw up and or just completely avoid saying Marcus Valdez Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. <laughs> now you've got me wondering if I'm saying Equinemia St. Brown right. So uh <laughs> Exactly, exactly. That's a, so there we go. Uh I, I think we're gonna get that second one. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, for those poor Thursday Night Football uh, announcers, I, I do not look forward to hearing them have to figure out how. It's just going to be a lot of St. Browns and MBSs all night long. Um, Ryan, you have Jared Cook as your streamer. I don't know if Robert Tunyon's uh, roster ship percentage is low enough yet to to be in your uh, list here. But with everyone out, you know, or seemingly everyone out in Green Bay, does this make Robert Tunyon a more interesting play this week? Uh, is he? Would you start him over Jared Cook if you had the if you had those options? Yeah, Tunyon is still around 70% rostered, I believe, for some reason. I was surprised when I saw that, too, when I was checking through my tight end streamers this week. Uh, but no, I would still play Jared Cook over him. Tunyon just hasn't been seeing the target volume consistently. It was nice that he scored a touchdown last week, but really, this is the Randall Cobb role that he has been vacated out of. As soon as Cobb arrived, I mean, he has just been targeted in the red zone much more heavily and Rodgers is more comfortable with Randall Cobb than Robert Tunyon. It seemed like Tunyon was kind of just the guy that was there last year and that worked, but as soon as Rodgers got his safety blanket back, then he found a new toy. So I'm not all that interested in Tunyon, other than for poaching a random touchdown in a DFS matchup. On the receivers, I would lean Scantling again with a DFS focus. If you guys want, you can... Uh, join me on Twitter and see me tilt about having Marquez Valdez Scantling in my captain slot all night. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. And then I have to ask, because this question will come up. Are we at any, any concern about starting Aaron Rodgers uh, with Devonte Adams out? I mean, more so than usual. Yeah. Um, I did drop him in my rankings down to QB 10, but that still puts him ahead of Kirk cousins, you know, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz. So I doubt you have two quarterbacks where you're going to sit him. So he's still a start for me. Yeah, I agree. He's my QB nine. This just feels like 
the type of game where Aaron Rodgers pulls some magic and throws touchdowns to guys we've never heard of before. So I still got him firmly in startable territory. Okay. Um, so enough to drop him to the bottom of your startable rankings, but not enough to drop him down into stream someone ahead of him type of situation. Um, on the Arizona side of things, uh, DeAndre Hopkins has not practiced this week, but Cliff Kingsbury said he expects Hopkins to play. Uh, is there any, I mean, Hopkins is going to play. If he doesn't, is there anyone on the Cardinal side that absolutely shoots up your rankings into must-start territory? Yeah, I mean, well, it doesn't get him to must-start territory, but Rondale Moore, his problem has just been snaps. So if you took someone out of the equation, all of a sudden he's the wide receiver three and he's on the field a lot more. Uh, but I do think, I mean, A.J. Green, I got wide receiver 38. Uh, let's see. And Christian Kirk is 35. So they're both in that back-end starter slash flex range. I think they probably Kirk goes up to pretty solid wide receiver two range if Hopkins is out. They just they spread the ball around so much. They've got Zach Ertz now. They've got the running backs to get the ball to. I don't know if it has quite the impact that we would think it would be on most teams. All right. Uh, well, and with, I mean, does Jair Alexander being out, uh, does that do anything for like AJ Green or Christian Kirk? Does it make them interesting enough to to be worth starting? Doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he was, he, you know, we've seen him miss some games before and the defense has been pretty good as well. So it's really just predicting these receivers. That's the big concern here. But I mean, like if Hopkins is out there, I mean, we've seen him have good games against, you know, Patrick Ramsey. So I, I'm not that concerned about it, but that would be the matchup we would see all night would be Hopkins and Alexander. Would you be starting Chase, uh, Kyle, Kyle Murray is a start. Uh, are you starting Chase Edmonds or uh, James Conner in this matchup against Green Bay? Yeah, I, I think people are a little too down on Chase Edmonds in general. Um, I, I, there's some encouraging things in his snap counts. So I got him at RB17. And then James Conner, you know, I've got him at RB22. Arizona's favored by six. Um, the Packers have been good at limiting running backs in fantasy, but they're 30th against the run in DVOA. They've had some easy matchups too, like the Lions, Bears, Washington. So, you know, Conner had his low snap share of the season last week, but still had 10 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, seventh in the NFL in red zone carries, fifth in carries inside the five. So I just the touchdown potential is so good here for Connor. He's still an RB2 for me. It, it's not pretty, but he's been paying off most weeks this year. Yeah, I'm not quite as high on Connor specifically. I He just had less carries than Edmonds did last week. And obviously, he's been getting outplayed efficiency-wise. As Eric said, the red zone usage is the positive. And yeah, he's top five in the league for carries inside the five. But generally, in the red zone, the split is a lot closer. It's 20 opportunities for Connor this year to 14 for Edmonds inside the 20. So... I just really think that Edmonds is going to have to start scoring touchdowns at some point. And Connor, I don't think is going to keep up this pace. So I have him at RB 32. He's a guy you can flex, but not somebody that I'm starting as an RB two at all. Well, I, there's a few running backs. There's not that many running backs this week that we're not entirely positive of the, of their situation heading into uh, the weekend. So there's not a lot of like James Connor or comparisons here, but um, if you had someone like Alex Collins or Devontae Booker, who do have some question as to whether or not they're going to be the starter for their team this weekend. Um, would you start James Conner over them? I've got him against both of them. And it's just, I'm just, some of these, 
especially with Seattle. It's just the quarterback situation. But even Booker, he's not that talented of a player. That's not a great offense. I'm just getting to the point where I'd rather take Connor, uh, try to get the touchdown in Arizona on an offense that's firing all, all cylinders. So I have him ranked highest of the three. Yeah, I don't have him ranked over those two players, but if we don't have clarity on their status by tomorrow, then I think it's totally fine to plug Connor in. He probably has just as good, if not better, touchdown equity than both those guys anyway. So I think it's fine to roll with him just to be safe and make sure that you aren't starting a completely marginal player in your flex. And and just to be clear, uh, it's not Devontae Booker's injury status that we're tracking. For him, it would be Saquon Barkley, who um, it's very possible that he is healthy and playing this weekend, but it, we don't know yet. So something to keep an eye on. Um, all right, and then I wanted to ask uh, on Green Bay, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, you're starting. Does the lack of, you know, solid options in the receiving game make A.J. Dillon any more interesting? Do you expect him to play more? Do you expect him to get more touches? Um, or is this still kind of a stay away handcuff running back situation? I wish it did. Um, he's kind of seen his role regress recently, though. And, you know, even though they're really limited at wide receiver, they do have options that they relatively like that have been on the roster for a while. So I don't know. I don't know if I see a lot of two running back sets this week that really vaults him up. So he's he's still on my sit range. That's A.J. Dillon. So you don't you don't see like a Jeremy McNichols situation where when the, the Titans were missing Brown and, and Julio Jones instead of throwing to chester rogers and nick westbrook you kind they were like hey let's throw to jeremy mcnichols a bunch rb screens for days baby no i i think they've got enough weapons and i mean this cardinals defense is good too so that doesn't help so i'm not loving dylan this week i think aaron jones is going to get every single touch that he can possibly handle so I, I think that's where a lot of it goes all right uh all right let's finally get to the positions uh we'll start with running back we've talked about a lot of these guys already um you know we, we like to talk about the most added players and and where you're starting them kenneth gainwell and boston scott two of the most added running backs and um you guys both have gainwell uh or eric you have gainwell at rb21 ryan gainwell at rb29 um you're a little bit more hesitant ryan is that uh you know boston scott you know workload situation is that just uh the Philadelphia offense isn't interesting to you. Uh, why, why, you know, so down on Gainwell? Yeah, I think there's just a possibility that he's not just going to be thrown into this workhorse role. So I'm not like out over my skis wanting to start him over guys like Elijah Mitchell or Khalil Herbert that have actually been shown to have bell cow usage. So he's kind of a wait and see, maybe throw him in flex this week type of player for me. Okay. Um, and then we've also got Khalil Herbert as one of the most added players. He's up to 74% rostered. You both have Herbert uh, in your top 25 at running back. So pretty safe bet um, to play him this week. It's clear that he uh, has moved to second on the depth chart to just behind David Montgomery. So um, he's the guy to get the workload there. And it's not like Chicago wants to throw the ball anyway. So even in games when they have to. They're like, nah, it's fine. We're just going to run the ball. Um, and then finally, we've got uh, two of your guys' running backs, um, Samaj P. Ryan in Cincinnati and Brandon Bolden in New England. Um, let's start with Ryan because I know how much you love to talk about Brandon Bolden. So um, talk to us about Brandon Bolden. And and why – okay, you mentioned before the show, just to, I'm going to pull this out real quick, that you know Ramondre Stevenson was running back 40-ish for you, and so Brandon Bolden has that workload this week. This is Bill Belichick we're talking about. Do, is, there's no way that it's going to be Bolden again this week, right? Like it, It's going to be someone that's not even on the roster or something. I, there's, no, there's no way we can trust Belichick with this. Yeah, I feel you there for sure. I do feel like I kind of have to just rank the Patriots RB2 right around this area every week, whoever we think it's going to be. And half the time I'm wrong. So ultimately, 
don't want you starting Brandon Bolden if at all possible, but it seems like he's going to be picking up these dump offs in the passing game that James White usually does. It's been a mess since he's been gone. It could be JJ Taylor for all we know. He's another name to watch. He came onto the scene with two garbage time touchdowns this last week. So maybe he gets some more playing time, but it doesn't seem like Belichick really trusts him after he had a bad fumble in the Buccaneers game. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully you're not on this ride, but it sure is a fun train wreck to watch. And I'll say this in fairness to Brandon Bolden. Um, he is leading the the team in running back targets and is actually has more than every other healthy running back combined. Um, he's had four or more since week three. Uh, sorry, uh, with the exception of, of week six against Dallas when Ramondre Stevenson stepped up into that role, but he's had four or more targets in every other week besides that. So, um, I don't know James White light, I guess, uh, he's done it now for the last five weeks. Yeah, I agree. It, I think it's fine to think of him that way until proven. Otherwise, I don't think Brendan Bolden is someone that should be getting all these touches on offense. If Bill really still needs to have this role and he thinks he can't give it to Damian Harris, then they probably should just go out and sign somebody that has more experience actually playing on offense and not on special teams. But that's just my opinion as an angry Pats fan. So <laughs> there you go. And then uh, Eric, you've got uh, Samaje P Ryan uh, backup Cincinnati Bengals running back the fourth most added running back this week. What are people seeing? Why uh, are they believing in P Ryan this week? I think it's just box score watching here, basically. I mean, his last two games, it's been 18 and 15 PPR points. I think it's a bit deceiving. I mean, last week they were blowing out the Ravens, which I still can't believe happened and I'm very excited about. But um, so he got a little bit of garbage time work. He rushed 11 times for 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he got 46 of that on a, ru a run and garbage time. They just broke wide open. Um, he had a 23-yard reception as well. Like he, he kind of lived off big plays last week. So um, he was still outsnapped by Joe Mixon and, you know, in a closer game. He's going to get outsnapped a lot more than that by Mixon. But this is against the Jets, so I do get it. Like, there could be a whole half of work where P. Ryan is active and getting the ball. Um, I just – I've got him at RB39. I've got people like Boston Scott, David Johnson, Devin Singletary, Mike Davis ahead of him that I just feel better about them having a, a locked-in role. So it, this could certainly happen against the Jets. I just – I don't know. You know how these games can go. They can be crazy. All of a sudden it's a fourth quarter and it's close and they're riding Mixon again because he, he's by far the superior player here. Yeah, I mean, it'd be crazy if the Jets went to like overtime with a team that had a, a star running back and then that running back actually had to keep playing all the way through the end of the game um, and then they lose anyway. Who? I mean, that'd be crazy. Who, who would see that happening? Um, all right. So talking about running backs, um, obviously, there's, uh, as always, a huge just don't overthink it and play this guy tier. Um, is there anyone that's not in this tier um, that, that you would normally expect to be up here? Um, anyone that people that you think people are like, I'm definitely starting this guy that you're like, well, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe you should actually at least think about it. We talked about Antonio Gibson. I'm not the same as Ryan. I've got him RB 20, which is probably the lowest I've had him ranked all year. Other than that, no, I think it is pretty, um, pretty clear cut. I mean, Damian Harris is good of a matchup as this is against the chargers. Uh, they're terrible defending the run. If the Chargers get up 17, that could be bad things for him. But, I mean, he's still a pretty confident start. So I, I think it's a pretty easy to tell tier here. 
Okay. So uh, the the don't overthink it tier, obviously, you're Henry, Cook, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Elvin Kamara, Zeke, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, Dale Henderson Jr., Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, who actually Eric has ranked at uh, RB3 this week. So Eric is very much the high guy on Najee Harris. Um, Nick Chubb is back. He did start him. Um, and then, you know, Leonard Fournette, Damien Harris, even. There's your top 15 running backs um, for Eric. And so real easy to just start those guys. Um even even like Cordero Patterson, who I don't think anyone would have if you gave me if you if you gave me ten thousand to one odds that Cordero Patterson was considered a must start running back before the season started, I wouldn't have put a dime on it. Um, and maybe maybe I'm a fool for that, but I just you know that's yeah. where we're at. I will um, say I will say about that matchup against the Panthers. I it's early in the season. I don't know how much I believe these numbers. Panthers have given up the fewest PPR points to running backs this year, and really nothing in the passing game too. So. Uh, they've been good against fantasy running backs. I'm still starting Patterson, but it's a little bit of the reason he's maybe down at RB16 for me when he's been so good lately. All right, so it looks like Ryan's having a bit of connection issues. So, uh, Eric, you're going to have to hold down the fort for a while. Not like that that's uh, you know new new to you, uh, but uh, let's continue on down the running back list. So, um, you know, those are your must-start guys. Uh, getting into kind of more uh, questionable territory, you really have to think about it. Uh, some of the guys here who have been, you know, some of the most added players over the past few weeks, we've got, uh, Chuba Hubbard, Elijah Mitchell, Khalil Herbert, uh, Devonte Booker, all of whom have been thrust into, uh, you know, starting roles. Uh, Elijah Mitchell obviously was way back in week one, but his workload has really fluctuated, uh, throughout the season. Uh, and then even Alex Collins, you have down at RB 32, but, um, of those guys, you know, is there any one that gives you pause other than Collins? Um, or, you know, uh, Hubbard, Mitchell, Herbert, um, we talked about Gainwell plenty and Devonte Booker, assuming that Saquon Barkley is healthy. Um, you know, a- any concerns about any of those guys? No, I mean, I already talked about Alex Collins up front. It's the health. It's the no quarterback. It's the lack of snaps last week. So he's primary, uh, Devonte Booker a little bit. I mean, he's not that talented of a player. I do agree with Ryan that I would not be at all surprised to see the chiefs blow out the giants. I think they've had a tough schedule. Weird stuff's been happening with turnovers. Uh, if the giants find themselves down 21 in the second quarter, I'm not going to love Booker. He gets, you know, he gets three or four targets a week, but, um, I just, he's not a difference maker. He's kind of living off touchdowns, but I still, I mean, I, the usage he's getting almost 20 touches a game, you're starting him. So no, I, I feel pretty good about all of them. I wish, Chuba Hubbard and this Panthers offense looked a little better right now because it's a great matchup at Atlanta against Atlanta. I still have him at RB 19, but I think maybe two weeks ago, I might've had him up five or six spots higher. It's just this offense is falling apart so quickly in Carolina that it's, it's concerning, but he's getting a workhorse role. Yeah. Uh, until Christian McCaffrey's back, Hubbard has, has, there's no one else that has challenged Hubbard for, for that workload. So, uh, definitely still, um, at least from a volume perspective, someone that you can, can rely on, um, some other borderline guys for you, uh, for both you and, and the industry as a whole, as we always kind of compare your rankings to fantasy pros, um, expert consensus rankings, uh, you're higher on chase Edmonds. We talked about him. So he's someone that you feel confident starting, um, the Denver guys, uh, you're a little bit lower on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, both around RB 30. Um, obviously as they continue to split the work there, it becomes very difficult to kind of predict. I mean, it's not necessarily difficult to predict. It's just that they're both kind of eh, meh. Yeah. Yeah. They're chopping up the work. I mean, the big thing is just how bad Bridgewater looks and the rest of this offense, the defense doesn't even look good anymore. So we're not getting those positive game scripts we were hoping for. And, I mean, Javante Williams is getting the receiving work. It's not amounting to much. He bailed us out with a touchdown last week. It's super encouraging they got seven targets, but it just kind of felt like it was just 
you know, game script, just dumping it down to him. I, I don't know if I'd count on seven targets a week. So until Williams takes over, I am not real excited about either. And even then, I just, I think this offense is capped. They just do not look good in Denver, really on either side of the ball at this point. All right. And then um, a couple other running backs. I mean, you feel good about Zach Moss and Miles Gaskin. Oh, well, feel good is kind of relative. Uh, you've got Moss at 27 and Gaskin at 26. But for a lot of teams, that might be starting RB territory for them. Um, so you feel good about this Buffalo Miami game for both of them. Devin Singletary, a little bit lower, RB 36. Um, one below Mike Davis. Can I mean, can we start? Can anyone start Mike Davis after what we saw last week? It's brutal. Uh, I would give this a week for sure. You've probably already benched him, hopefully, but it wasn't so much the snaps. I mean, he was on the field a pretty solid amount. Um, I mean, you know, at least for, you know, where he's ranked. I mean, he had a 60% snap share. Uh, Cordell Patterson had a 73%, so they were using him both on the field a lot. But I think the big thing is Patterson's obviously surpassed him. Kyle Pitts is like ascending. We'll talk about him later. Um, Calvin Ridley is going to get involved eventually. Russell Gage is back. There's just a lot of people in front of him now. And he had Mike Davis had zero targets last week. So uh, he's not going to break any long runs. He's not getting the goal line looks. And if he's not even going to catch you at three or four dump off passes, then yeah, you just got to bench him because that's kind of what he was living, living on so far this year, a random touchdown, three or four catches, he'd get you 10 points, but I, we can't even count on that anymore. Yeah. I, I was definitely a believer in Mike Davis. And again, did not see Cordell Patterson coming. Uh, one one last running back we need to talk about because he saved a lot of people's uh, weeks last week um, as they were trying to find points anywhere, and they found 20 points from Dearness Johnson, uh, who absolutely went off last week uh, in their Thursday Night Football matchup. But Nick Chubb is back. Kareem Hunt is not. We know the Browns like to use two running backs, but is Dearness Johnson someone that can succeed in the second running back slot there in Cleveland? Um to me, I mean, I'll just say this. It, it feels like if, if there was a running back, he'd be better paired with, it would be Kareem Hunt, um, as I think he and Chubb both kind of serve a similar purpose. But, uh, you know, you're the expert, Eric. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's against Pittsburgh and with a backup quarterback, well, I think backup quarterback, I don't even know what's going on with Baker anymore, but um, that's really the downer here. I think you could get more excited otherwise, because uh, I do think that they're not going to, they weren't giving Chubb the workhorse role when they had Hunt around. I don't think they're just going to give him 90% of the snaps now, especially with what Dearness Johnson showed. So yeah, I think we could see 40% of the snaps, 30% of the snaps from Johnson. I do think I've got him RB 33, um, even behind like Alex Collins. I, I just think there's too much of a chance as low scoring and he doesn't produce much, but I do think he has a little bit of an upside swing play. I mean, he looked so good last week. He's earned the role. Maybe Chubbs eased back in a little bit. So I think if you're kind of looking for boom bust, uh, Dearness Johnson's a good, a good option if you're desperate at running back. All right, Eric. Well, uh, any last thoughts on running back before we move on to wide receiver? Yeah, I did want to mention Miles Gaskin. Uh, now that Malcolm Brown is on IR, uh, Brown's seen 28% of the snaps on the year. And, um, you know, last week, there were only five snaps for Brown before injury and Gaskin saw 63%. Salvin Ahmed saw 30%. So I, I do think this is notable for Gaskin. Um, his worst weeks were in week four when Malcolm Brown had 67% of the snaps and week six when Brown had 36%. And those were two of Brown's higher snap shares. So I think this unlocks a pretty big role for Gaskin. Um, the only running backs on the active roster right now are Gaskin and Ahmed. Uh, they do have some on the practice squad, but Gaskin's third among all running backs and targets. So like as long as we can get him on the field, 60% of the snaps, I think he's going to produce two has looked okay. So I would feel pretty good about Gaskin going forward, especially if Brown's out for more than three weeks. 
All right, so uh, let's move on to wide receiver. And actually, we've got Ryan back into the fold. Ryan figured out his internet connection issues. Um, and so we uh, have him back on the podcast now. So, Ryan, um, I would love to hear, you know, uh, expert consensus rankings. Eric, uh, both have Cooper Cup at wide receiver one. Why do you not have him number one over? I'm just kidding. Uh, Ryan has him at number two. Don't worry, play Cooper Cup. Um, by the way, I'd love to see this. Jamar Chase uh, is a top five wide receiver for all, all three of you, Eric, Ryan, and uh, you know, expert consensus. So, um, bid, you know, Jamar Chase has been absolutely fantastic in the month of October and um, has definitely earned being a top five wide receiver. Other guys that you're definitely playing, you know, your Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Debo, I'm assuming he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, same with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, AJ Brown, two uh, amazing weeks in a row. Uh, and, and so that should continue for him. Um, the first uh, rankings dispute that we've got here is actually going to be DJ Moore, uh, who, Eric, you've got him at wide receiver 10. And Ryan, you have him at wide receiver 21. So, um, Ryan, you're the one furthest away from consensus. So why are you so down on DJ Moore? Yeah, I talked about him last week saying that I was going to be further down on the Panthers passing offense as a whole just because of the Sam Darnold effect and also because it seems like Matt Rule has wanted to be more run heavy and establish that run. Uh, It hasn't fully borne out in the target volume for DJ Moore. That's actually still been there, which I will say is a positive sign. So I'm not totally cratering him or saying that you should get off of him or anything, but I just don't think he's an elite play until we see Darnold clicking with him once again. Okay. Um, So DJ Moore, I mean, he's still startable for you wide receiver 21. So um, unless again, you're really stacked a wide receiver more might be the sit for you, but otherwise you're, you're likely starting them. Same goes by the way for CD lamb and Deontay Johnson, who Ryan, you have a little bit lower um, than consensus. Uh, Again, all all three of you, uh, all three of the rankings here have a, them in the top 17 at wide receiver, both of them. So again, not really a concern there. Um, the really interesting one, I think that we definitely need to talk about is DK Metcalf because Eric, you mentioned Tyler Lockett as a sit in Seattle. You mentioned uh, Seattle offense being a concern for you, but you still have Metcalf at wide receiver 19, Ryan, you have him all the way down at wide receiver 26, which means probably still a start in most leagues um, to even two wide receiver in a flex league. Um, that's probably still Metcalf starting, but that's we're talking borderline someone that you could actually foresee benching. So, um, it, you know, are you really is it just that much of a concern with the Geno Smith led offense? Yeah, it's a concern with the offense. And I mean, the target volume really hasn't been there. I mean, the Seahawks have really re- regressed to this sort of we're going to run the ball on first and second down and throw on third and then punt the ball offense that Pete Carroll seems to love to run. Uh, and I mean, it's shown up in the targets for DK Metcalf in the last few weeks. He's only had uh, five targets, seven, and then back to five. So I don't think he's this safe wide receiver to play. Even I think he's like in flex consideration. Uh, Eric, I'm, I mean, you've got him at wide receiver 19, so he's someone that you're still starting as a wide receiver too. But do you do you agree with the sentiment uh, on Metcalf's uh, you know lack of of targets? Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you look at the players behind him; it's you know Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, Pittman, T. Higgins. Like those are some of them are secondary options or not full blown wide receiver ones. So you know, this is a little bit betting on talent with DJ Metcalf, DK Metcalf. I mean, he scores touchdowns. That's the big difference between him and Lockett for me. Um, He scored that awesome. What was that? 80 some yard touchdown last week that carried his day. For some reason, they didn't throw to him for a few quarters after that, which is a whole nother story. But 
I, I just think that he's he's got more touchdown upside. He's 10th in the league in target share when uh, Lockett's more like 19th. If I'm going to bet on one of them, it's Metcalf. But I totally get it. If you're loaded or if you can go to a running back or something, I, I wouldn't fault you. Um, it's just betting on talent here. All right. Um, now, normally we talk about the most added wide receivers, but it's kind of a weird list this week. Um, the top two guys are Randall Cobb and Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Uh, we talked about the Green Bay game already and, and you know how you should – uh, feel about Cobb or MVS heading into this game. And then the next four guys are players who aren't fully healthy are coming back from, from either coming back from injury or uh, there's just, you know, they've been playing well and, and have had some nagging injuries in and out. And so it feels like, I think some of these guys have been dropped a lot and are now being added back again. And that's Kadarius, Tony T Y Hilton, Jarvis Landry and Michael Gallup um with Gallup being designated to return from from IR I don't think he'll play this weekend it doesn't sound like TY Hilton's playing this weekend um you know are, are you playing Tony and Landry if they're healthy Eric and are you willing to stash Hilton and Gallup um because that's pretty much what people who are adding them are doing I'm not stashing Hilton uh, I would be interested in stashing Gallup uh, along with Will Fuller I know I'm never going to quit Will Fuller but there are actually some interesting options on waivers for injury stashes so Definitely keep an eye on them. Um, other than that, I mean, I kind of – I kept going back and forth on Landry. I feel like I should be way higher on him than wide receiver 45, but it's just the Steelers. It's, you know, banged up quarterback or Case Keenum. I'm just not very excited about any of his upside there. So not really looking forward to playing Landry. And then I personally think Tony's shown enough that if he's out there, I'm going to play him. As long as we get a clean bill of health and he's not limited, um, I would start him. I think it's a good matchup, and there's so many other injuries. But that whole Giants receiving core is so up in the air every week. We we really have to wait until game time almost to make a decision, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, New York is just – there's it's a whole whole situation there with everyone's health. Um, Galladay, Shepard, um, just a whole lot of players that could go – Tony himself even that could go either way. Yeah. Uh, for this for this matchup so just keep an eye on if you have tony if you have shepherd if you have these guys keep an eye on the uh giants uh injury report as we get closer to uh game time on sunday because they could you know drastically swing the number of mouths to feed there in new york and um if daniel jones can feed them all which the answer is no all right let's do a few more rankings disputes on guys that are kind of borderline on whether you should start them or not um and we're going to start with marvin jones jr in jacksonville um playing against the seattle seahawks um eric you've got him at wide receiver 30 so in most leagues that's that's probably being started um either like i said two wide receivers in flex or even three wide receiver leagues for sure ryan down at wide receiver 36 so definitely more questionable for you um ryan is it a matter of of not believing the game that he uh had before the bye um is it just there's other better options where where are you at on marvin jones yeah, I don't hate starting Marvin Jones here. I just think I have other options I prefer. Guys like Jerry Judy, if he has a clean bill of health, which he should going into this game, that's somebody that I feel a little better about his target share not being just up and down every single week like it is with Marvin Jones. Someone like Jalen Waddell, I'd love to start over him as well. But it's not that bad if you're starting Marvin Jones in your flex ultimately. Well, and, and actually, it's a great thing that you brought up Jerry Judy, because on the flip side, Eric, you have Jerry Judy down at wide receiver 40, um, Ryan at wide receiver 33, and at, at consensus is at uh, 31. So, uh, Eric, you're kind of uh, hesitant about starting Jerry Judy this week. Do you just need to see it uh, as he returns from injury? Uh, you know, what's holding you back? Yeah, and it hurts, too, because I've got him in a lot of leagues and I stashed him. I've, I've been holding on to him. I still believe in the upside. I just I do think that Sutton and Patrick are good enough receivers that we could see him rotate in 
uh, throughout this game, his first game back. Um, maybe he doesn't play a full complement of snaps. The offense has looked like a mess anyway. And we've seen high ankle sprains. You know, we've seen players come back and not be the same right away. So I'm just a little hesitant to think that he's on the field 90% of the snaps as the wide receiver one in that offense. I, it could be a little bit more of a work in progress. So I think next week, if he makes it through this game, fine. Plays a good amount of snaps. He'll be way up for me. But I'm just, if I can, I'm going to wait and see this week. All right, and then uh, one more. We got Brandon Cooks. Uh, Ryan, you got him all the way up at wide receiver 20, and Eric all the way down at wide receiver 33. Um, Eric, uh, I mean, this is the the target leader in Houston, um, and and there's more there's more room for work all of a sudden because Mark Ingram's not there. So those <laughs> you know the the ball has to go to someone. Uh, uh, you know, why are you so low on Brandon Cooks? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. He's wide receiver four in target share, and maybe Tyrod Taylor comes back. Those are all encouraging. Uh, but we've really seen him trail off lately, and they play the Rams. That just that matchup really scares me. Jalen Ramsey, tough defense, tough pass rush. I just I just hate the matchup. And I mean, who else are you going to try to take out of the game plan other than Brandon Cooks? So um, I get it. it I, again, I don't mind starting him. He's got upside, but I would rather sit this one out if I can. Next week against Miami looks a lot more appealing to me. Uh, you take David Johnson out of the matchup. Obviously, that's the player you have to focus in on. Um, and then uh, you also mentioned earlier on in the show, KJ Osborne. Um, you have him at wide receiver 39, so uh, even higher than uh, Jerry Judy for you, Eric. So some, uh, Osborne, someone worth looking into um, as well in, in this wide receiver space. Um, moving, we're, we're going to touch on quarterback really quick. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, we talked about the streamers. A- any other uh, streamers or starters that you're – any starters that you're concerned about or streamers that you're looking to to be playing this week, Eric? I don't think there are really any starters I'm concerned about. Um, I actually got Burrow up to QB8. I think that's the highest I've had him this year. Um, I do think Herbert against New England, like it's not the greatest matchup in the world. I, they're really good at scheming against these quarterbacks. But um, other than that, for streamers, I agreed with Wentz. He's my QB13. I've actually got Daniel Jones QB12 against the Chiefs. Um, I know... It, He's one of those that could put up a good fantasy day and give the Chiefs a good fantasy day. So I do think there's some fantasy points there for Daniel Jones. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan against the Panthers isn't a bad one. Trevor Lawrence against Seattle. Um, but, I, you know, I've got Tannehill down at 16. I've kind of given up on him. So those are my favorite streamers, Jones, Wentz, uh, Matt Ryan, and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, it's funny you have Daniel Jones ranked so high against Ryan Streamer of the Week uh, defense. It's really like that stoppable force meeting the movable <laughs> object. So it's it's really great. Very yeah. curious to see uh, who's gonna not give in first. Um, Ryan, are there any any starting quarterbacks that you are out on this week? No, Eric pretty much covered my thoughts on the quarterback position this week too. The only guy that I would add in is Jameis Winston, I think can be a desperation type of streamer against the Buccaneers should be a high scoring game. They're going to have to throw this feels more like a random four touchdown Jameis Winston game. Oh, revenge game. Come on. Yeah. Also a revenge game and not a four interception game. So that's what I'll go with if you really need a streamer and the wire is bare. Yeah, my, my worry with Winston, though, last week against Seattle, I know it was windy, uh, but he looked awful last week, I thought. I mean, he was so inaccurate. And this is a Tampa Bay defense that can give up points through the air for sure, uh, but there still are like a good defense, a well-coached defense. And I, I don't know, Winston worries me. I was not impressed by him at all last week. So I'm hoping it was just the win, but you would think he has a big enough arm to overcome that. So um, that's why he's QB 17 for me. But the matchup does point to a game where he's forced to air it out against Tampa Bay. 
He's QB 17 for me as well, just to okay. be clear. So <laughs> I, I don't think we disagree that much. Fair. Uh, all right, moving on to tight end. We actually talked about tight end quite a bit um, when we talked about Rob Gronkowski at the top of the injury news and note. So that's actually the first thing uh, when you click on that timestamp that we'll talk about. So, it, um, you know, if you want to hear more about tight ends, there's there's a good amount there. Um, these guys both have Gronk uh, ranked right around like tight end six um, heading into this week now that he's healthy. And so basically, uh, you know, the first of all, the guys that you're playing above him are the guys that you expect to see up there. Um, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and uh, Mike Kosicki, uh, sorry, Mike Kosicki. Uh, let's talk about Mike Kosicki for a second. Uh, Dalton Schultz also tied in for, for for Eric. Definitely uh, no question there. But uh, Kosicki has really had quite the season at tight end. Um, so you really think that this is uh, this is real? This is legit, Eric? Yeah, I mean, he's another one of those that they are essentially playing as a receiver. Um, you barely can even call him a tight end. He's got, you know, six or more targets in every game since the first week. Uh, three top five tight end performances. Like he's been on fire lately. And with all the receivers they have banged up, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, even Preston Williams has been banged up. Like it makes sense that they're playing them as a receiver. So that's a big thing for fantasy. We want these tight ends that aren't blocking, that aren't getting banged up. They're just going to be running routes and that's Kasicki right now. So I know Buffalo is not the greatest matchup in the world. Their defense is really good, but uh, they're going to have to put up points to keep pace with Buffalo. So um, Kasicki's my tight end three. Did not think we'd get there. We do have a, a few good ones on a bye this week, but it's still insane. Yeah, uh, both Darren Waller and Mark Andrews on a bye this week, but Kasicki is a uh, uh, fifth in the uh, NFL and targets for a tight end. So um, definitely getting a lot of usage there. Um, but yeah, so, so again, Gronk kind of in that, in that range of, you know, you're playing these guys and then for both uh, Eric and Ryan, it's again, the usual suspects at the bottom half of, of the tight end rankings, Dallas Goddard, um, Noah Fant, uh, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby. So no real concerns there. Um, the real question is some of the most added tight ends uh, we mentioned, uh, Jared Cook as the streamer of the week for Ryan, but some other tight ends that should get some attention. Uh, Tyler Conklin, I believe, is the third most added tight end. Uh, he's still uh, 83% available in Yahoo leagues. And then CJ Uzoma um, was the most added tight end, and I believe he's sitting at about 40% rostered right now in Yahoo. So um, Uzoma, Cook, Conklin, um, any concerns about any of those guys as a, as a streaming option? And is there anyone else worth putting into that conversation? Yeah, I, I actually, I think my favorite streaming option is uh, Dan Arnold in Jacksonville. I know it's an exciting name, but um, he's come in and played 60 plus percent of the snaps in both games. I, again, I like this matchup against Seattle, and I do think Trevor Lawrence is playing pretty well. He's getting overlooked for his rookie year because he's on a terrible team, but I kind of like Dan Arnold as a streamer. He's seeing the volume. Um, other than that, like, I just think Uzoma is, he's he's got the red zone role where he can score the play action touchdown, but other than that, he's kind of hit a couple big play touchdowns. I'm not really trusting him a lot. And Jared Cook, I, I'm i pretty down on him. I've got him at tight end 16. I just feel like whenever the Chargers go to him, they're making their offense worse. Like, it's just they need to get the ball to other players. I don't know if they're going to do it. But every time they throw it to him, it just seems like it's in traffic and it's almost going to get intercepted. So, I don't know. I know he's a good shot at the touchdown, but I'm kind of out on Jared Cook. If you're really stuck at tight end, you can definitely pick up Dan Arnold because he is 4% rostered in yeah, Yahoo exactly. leagues. Uh, all right. And then let's talk about defense um, just because, you know, defense is, is a tough one each week. Um, who are some defenses other than Kansas City that you're looking to stream um, that aren't, you know, heavily rostered? Uh, Ryan, I, I'm going to make you pick another defense to, to talk about besides Kansas City. So I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars as another option. As Eric said, the Seahawks offense has not looked very great with Geno Smith at the helm. 
they are underdogs in this game, which we don't necessarily love for streaming defenses, but the Seahawks are still implied less than 24 points. So it's possible this one's just really ugly and not a whole lot of points are scored and both defenses end up with like six or seven fantasy points. So if you're desperate, I would look to there. Yeah. All yeah. right. And then um, top defenses that, that you might want to bench uh, well, or drop outright this week. Um, just looking at the top of the of the most rostered defenses list and, and who's playing some tougher opponents. Um, I guess I kind of have to mention Tampa Bay, um, New Orleans. Uh, no, I don't have to mention Tampa Bay. You're not you're not dropping them for this match against New Orleans. Um, Arizona, as they play the Packers, um, they you know were widely added for their matchup against Houston. Um, but now they have the Packers this week uh, on a short week. Um New England playing the Chargers, uh, Cleveland playing Pittsburgh, any of these defenses, uh, someone that you're definitely dropping in favor of someone else? Uh, I would say New Orleans, you definitely aren't playing. I don't know that you're dropping them, but we're not playing them against Tom Brady. I think the New England defense is probably way over rostered in fantasy football. They haven't been that great, and they tend to give up a lot of chunk plays. So I think think that it's possible to just drop them uh because i don't want to play him against justin herbert yeah the, the i will say the patriots defense has scored double digits exactly or also uh, more than five points exactly twice and that was the two times they played the jets yeah exactly like this defense and even watching it on tv just hasn't looked good against teams that aren't the jets so including davis mills was able to tear us up somehow so yep. i don't think you need to hang on to them yeah, five five points uh, for the defense against Houston, which we all uh, picked up the Patriots for. Eric, any th- uh, any last thoughts on defenses? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm missing here. They're only 7% rostered. I mean, the Eagles play the Lions. I know the Eagles' defense is not great, but uh, they got 12 fantasy points against the Panthers, eight against the Cowboys, 10 against the Falcons. They've had bad games against good offenses like the Chiefs and Bucks and Raiders, but – I don't know. Against the Lions, I could totally see the Eagles getting some sacks and picks. So if you kind of just uh, missed your waiver run and nobody's there, I'd pick up the Eagles. I think their offense should put up points. And if the team's playing from ahead, uh, that's usually a good sign against Jared Goff. Yeah, uh, you know, Jared Goff being in Detroit has, has um, at least helped us not pick on him as much because we don't think about the Lions, but he's still not a very good quarterback. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here this week. Um, you know, hopefully your week eight lineups look a lot better than they did uh, last week and uh, you don't have as many really questionable decisions to make. But, you know, as always, if you have any more decisions, uh, any players we didn't talk about, anything like that, check out uh, the article, QBList.com. Um, we do have the sit start article where we go over every single game every single matchup um and always join the discord come ask us questions directly and help get uh your lineup set on sunday morning but thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next week